cool, and I am so grateful he does make things beautiful because he says that to us, he says, out of ashes he makes beauty, and I'm grateful for that grace and that mercy that he gives us. You know, this has been quite a week, hasn't it? I mean, you turn on the TV and there's threats of war, there's this, there's violence, there's unrest, and then you get past that and there's earthquakes, there's hurricanes, and... Uh, there's people affected. I mean, we're here. Life's going on. But right this very minute, there are people within really close proximity, given to where, how the world is today, that are absolutely affected. Now, this is what I think I know that from conversations that I've had with you guys, that, um, that we have people whose lives are connected to people whose lives have been affected in Mexico. If you have someone who is, you know close to you, family, friend, and their life has been affected, I'd like for you to stand and to represent them. Can you do that for me? In Mexico, um, Puerto Rico, yes. Trinidad, Tobago, U.S. Virgin Islands, is that right? Um, Florida, Texas, yeah. yeah uh, did I say U.S. Virgin Island? I did say that, didn't I? I did say Florida, I did say Texas. Have I missed one? Is there, a, is there an island or a nation or a territory that's been affected that... Um, that I missed. Dominican, thank you. Um, that we have someone represented. Perfect. All right, well, I tell you what, let's do. Um, we get the privilege this morning of praying for them. Um, the scripture says to offer prayers. And so you are standing representing close friends, family, people whose lives have been disrupted. So if you will join me now, I would love for us just to go to the Lord on their behalf. And just ask us. Show us. We're asking. We're asking Him to show us how we respond. So join me now as we pray. Father, You tell us that we can come to You um, with anything. And Lord, this morning we come to You asking for help. We come to You asking for clarity and confusion. Lord, for provision when there is a lack and there is a need. Father, we come and ask you to give rest and comfort and peace. Lord, we ask you to give those that are responsible for restoration wisdom. Lord, for those that are going to have to deal with insurance companies and, and literally start their lives over and rebuild. God, we ask you to be their help in this time of trouble. God, we ask you for the provision of water, of food, for electricity. Lord, even for self-service, so family members can pick up the phone and say, we're okay, or this is what we need. God, we pray for those that are grieving through loss of life. God, for those that, have woke, up, that woke up this day with a new normal, with, un with unanswered questions. Lord, we pray for those that are experiencing emotional trauma from having lived through a building collapse or having lived through a roof being blown off or a flooded street or a flooded home or sitting on a rooftop, God. Lord, we pray for that. We pray for the believers that are surrounding these areas. God, that you would give them clarity, that you would give them a voice, that you would give them an opportunity to say, 
in the middle of the storm, God is able. God is there. God loves us. God cares for us. Lord, I pray for us. Lord, I thank you for what has been done, even as I look today and know that in this room there are provisions that have been brought, work that has been done to help make someone's life just a little better. But Father, if there's more, if there's something we need to do, if we need to be somewhere, if we need to give something, if we need to to physically respond, Lord, I pray that we will. God, I pray that we won't be Slow, I pray that we will not be slow to forget, that we won't forget quickly, that we will remember to pray, Lord, for one another, for rebuilding, for the gospel opportunities that surely will be available. Lord, we know that through your Holy Spirit you can heal, you can speak, you can provide. We know that you can order steps and God that You know the needs and you can send people to those. We ask you for the miracles. And I thank you that we can pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. In 1990, Gil and I were members of First Baptist Church, Hayhira. We lived in a little house across the street from that church. And one day the pastor came over and uh, visit, to visit us and said, we'd like for you to join our church. We joined their church. We hadn't been there very long. And he said, we'd like for y'all to serve as our youth ministers. He said, we got three kids and they need somebody. And that's what we did. In fact, that was our first step into ministry as a vocation. We had not been there very long. And he said, hey, I'm going to be out of town. I would love for you to preach for me while you're out of town. And so in 1990, sitting at a kitchen table in Hayhira, Georgia, I wrote all these notes. He said, you got about 35 minutes. And I looked at it and I thought, that's 35 minutes, but if I run long, I'll just cut some of it out. True story. Five minutes later, I was giving the invitation. I promise, that is not an exaggeration. That really did happen. Um, I made three points, a lot of illustrations, and stumbled and still couldn't stretch it to ten. But that sermon was on forgiveness. And I really do believe that out of the things that Paul has told us as he was writing to the church at Rome, in fact, go ahead and take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians 13. I really do believe out of all the things that Paul has told us about love and what love is and what love is not, that maybe forgiveness is absolutely the most difficult of them. Because all of us can have a a spurt of patience. All of us can walk by something or someone and be kind in a moment. And we can look and at least for a brief moment we can... We cannot envy someone else. But when you come to us and say, I want you to forgive, it brings up in us a wellspring of emotion, a flood of memories. 
It brings up in us hurt. It brings up in us anger. It brings up in us the, the thoughts of, I'm going to get even with you. All of these things are there. And it becomes a very difficult thing to deal with. And so what, let's just do a little bit of review. Remember what Paul said. doesn't matter what you say, what you know, what you have. If you don't have love, you don't have anything. And then after he did that, he said, but love is, and I'm grateful he did do this, I'm grateful he said, this is what love is. He said, love, is, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely, in verse 5. Does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Now, take that in the Greek language, take that in some translations. Verse 5 really says that love forgives. And so if we've got this commandment here and we know that the first commandment is to love the Lord your God and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself, then we've been commanded to forgive. Then we've got to do some hard work here this morning to understand what forgiveness is, but also what forgiveness is not. Because I do believe we have some misconceptions and we live under false instruction and we've been running around thinking we were forgiving when really we weren't and we were maybe making the situation worse so I want to read what I just read you I want to read it to you out of the message now the message is is an excellent study tool it is not a translation it is a paraphrase but it is a paraphrase by someone who took great effort to stay true to the meaning of the original text, and to put it into modern-day vernacular. So this is what he said. He said, If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I am bankrupt without love. And he says, Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. He says, love doesn't fly off the handle. Love doesn't keep score. So how do we, as Christians who have been told that we need to forgive and that we need to stand up against wrong, how do we forgive and not fight? How do we forgive and not get burdened or... Forgiveness is not forgetness. How do we forgive and still remember? That's what we want to try to answer today. Now, in context of that, there are several scriptures that talk to us about forgiving and forgiveness. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, But if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's pretty strong. It's a pretty pointed instruction to us about forgiveness and, and the implications of our forgiveness um, in the action of forgiving other people. 
Ephesians 4, 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And then he says how he wants us to forgive each other. He says, Just as in Christ God forgave you. So he says, I want you to forgive. Your forgiveness of others has implication on the forgiveness that you will experience. And he says, I want you to forgive. And he says, the way that I want you to forgive is I want you to forgive the way that God forgave you. Luke 6.37 says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Colossians 3.13 says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Luke 22, 33 would tell us this. When they came to a place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now there's a point, an important point here. Jesus said, I forgive them, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And he did that before anybody ever asked for forgiveness. He said, now, I'd like for you to do this, Father. All right, John 8, 7. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And Romans 12, 20 would say, On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. So let's begin with a definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the act, it's an action, okay? It is something we do. Forgiveness is the act of setting someone free from an obligation to you that is the result of a wrong done to you. Forgiveness is the act of setting someone free from an obligation to you that is the result of a wrong done to you. So in order for their, the, the need for forgiveness, that it has to be an injury, someone injured you physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, relationally. They injured you. You say, they did wrong to you, so there has to be an injury, and the injury creates a debt. You wronged me. Because you wronged me, you owe me something. Now, what do they owe you? That's situational. There could be a lot of things they owe you. They may owe you restitution. They may owe you an apology. They may owe you a lot of things. But there's an injury. There's a debt. And then for, for forgiveness to be complete... There has to be a release of the debt or a, an excusing of the debt. Now, I can illustrate this with Jesus on the cross for you. Because of sin, that the original sin took place in the Garden of Eden, we injured the holiness and the purpose and the plan of God. God said, my original plan was for us to be in paradise hand-in-hand, relationship and fellowship, experiencing one another. 
But when Adam and Eve committed the original sin, we injured God's purpose and God's plan. That injury created a debt to His holiness. Because we had created a debt to His holiness, we were separated from Him for eternity. He was still God, He's still Father, but we did not have a personal relationship with Him. Now, for that debt to be forgiven, there had to be an action that took place. The action that took place was that before the foundation of the world, God said that Jesus will be the payment and the sacrifice of sin. And so, while we had injured God, our injury had created a debt, God said that I am going to excuse the debt, forgive the debt, through the blood of Jesus Christ who will die on the cross at Calvary for you. Now remember what that verse, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. God forgave before anybody ever asked. He took the action. He released the debt. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And I remember it, and this is the way I remember it, because I learned it as a child in youth group singing. He paid a debt. He did not owe. I owed a debt. I could not pay. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. He went to the cross for me. And He did for me what I could not do for myself. I was morally, physically, spiritually bankrupt. I had a payment due and I could not make it. And, the, and the, the fine for not being able to pay that debt was eternal separation from God. And Jesus, Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners, in other words, while we still owed money, He forgave the debt. So that's a definition of forgiveness we need an injury a debt and we need a release of the debt but now keep going with me because when Paul was writing to this church and he says this is what love is he said love is forgiveness but as I said earlier I believe this I believe of all the things that Paul told us that love was and love is that forgiveness is the most difficult because forgiveness brings up, conjures up terrible memories of times that we were done wrong. So, understanding that, which by the way, I read this, and this is an interesting illustration. Dana Curry and Heather Mercer. If you remember some years back, they were the two young ladies and a group of young ladies who were captured and imprisoned by the Taliban. After their release had been secured, they were being interviewed by the news. And the news said, of all of the things that happened to you, what was the most difficult part of it? And one of the young ladies looked at the reporter and said, forgiveness. She said, because when you put six ladies in a small room, we had to learn to forgive very quickly. Don't you know the reporter was kind of disappointed. They wanted the conditions. They wanted the squalor. They wanted the nourishment. They wanted the issues related to being in captivity. But they said forgiveness was the most difficult. Well, if we want to know what forgiveness is, and we want to learn how to forgive, then I think the first thing we need to do is erase some misconceptions about forgiveness. 
Okay? So you can follow me in your outline. Four things forgiveness is not. The first thing that forgiveness is not, forgiveness is not conditional. Real forgiveness is not based on someone else's response. It is not based on someone asking for forgiveness. It is not deserved. It is not earned. What if Jesus, going back to our Jesus on the cross, what if Jesus had said, Father, forgive them as soon as they ask for it? He would have just been a dead man on a cross. It says, forgiveness. It's not conditional. The truth is that when Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. As we said, it was not because they asked, it was because it was right. Now, do we believe that the forgiveness of God is conditional? Its only condition is this, that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. There is no condition. You don't come to Him with works. You don't come to Him with effort. You don't come to Him with your goodness. You don't come to Him and because you have gotten better. He says, whoa, look at that. This person really tried hard today, and because they tried hard, I'm going to forgive them. Oh, this person, not so much. You can't have forgiveness. No, in the blink of an eye, in an instant, in the flash of a lightning, you can bow your head and say, Father, forgive me, and the unconditional forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ will be heaped on you. Now listen to me. There are many people in this room today who are not enjoying forgiveness and the fruit of forgiveness because you can't process how God could love you knowing who you've been in the past. And that is a wonderful lie that Satan has told, is telling, and will tell in the future. You have been forgiven not because you got good. You have been forgiven because Jesus died. There have been people that quit going to church because surely God can't forgive me. There have been people who won't pick up their Bible and read because surely God would not forgive me. And God says, I forgive you. And he says, just as I have done to you, I want you to forgive others. Forgiveness is offered whether we ask for it or not. So forgiveness is not conditional. Forgiveness is an action between you and God. Father, I forgive Lindsay. I forgive her based on not what she has merited, but on what you have done and what you have done for me. I forgive her. That's an action between me and God. That is an action of faith and a step of obedience to do what he told me to do. Reconciliation is an action between me and Lindsay. God, I release her from the debt. That's our business. Reconciliation is if she has wronged me or if I have wronged her, now we have to go to one another and we have to do the hard work of putting it back together. Can it be done? I believe it can. Does it take time? I believe it does. Can it require boundaries? Absolutely so. Forgiveness is not immediate, jump back into the tub, pool, pot, whatever you want to call it. The what? The saddle, I like it. A lot of things. Just wherever you jump, it's not immediately that, all right? 
Um, it is not that. And it is okay for you in a situation where there has been an injury and the injury recalls calls the debt and you have released the person from the debt, it is still okay for you to draw boundaries not to step back into something that's going to just continue to have a cycle to it. That is okay in friendship. That is okay in marriage. That is okay in work relationships. You name it. It is okay. So first of all, forgiveness is not conditional. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. There are people who cannot forgive, will not allow themselves to forgive, because they think, if I forgive, then I am minimizing what happened and acting as if it was no big deal, when it very well may have been an absolutely a big deal. Forgiveness is not minimizing. Forgiveness, again, is an action between you and God, you living out a command from Him that says, love forgives. You take the action of forgiveness. I release you from it. You say, I don't feel like it. We do not live by feelings. We live by faith. And God says, that if you will obey me by faith, I will do the action in you. And what I and others have found is that when we respond by faith, feelings catch up. Feelings are not fast runners. Sometimes. They poke around. They get distracted. But if we will daily... And you may daily, if your offense was great, you may daily have to wake up and say, Father, today, just as I did yesterday, I hand you that wrong. I hand you that offense. God, today, just as I did yesterday, I choose to live in forgiveness so that there is not a block between me and you. And God says, if you'll do that, I will be faithful. If you will do that, he says that I will cause all things to work together for your good. If you love me and you're called according to my purpose. You say, Pastor, you don't know what happened. I don't. You don't know how hideous it was. I don't. But I know that God is faithful and God's word is true. And God says, this is what I want you to do. Forgiveness is not conditional. Forgiveness is not minimizing. Forgiveness is not resuming the relationship without changes. Some are afraid to forgive because they believe and have been taught, and some of them believe and have been taught in church. Just because it got believed and taught in church doesn't mean it's right. But they are saying, I, I want to forgive, I'd like to forgive, but if I forgive, then that means I've got to step right back into a relationship. I can forgive the stove for burning me, one time. But it, it doesn't mean that I go back and put my hand on the stove every single day. Because if I do, guess what the stove's going to do? It's going to be a stove. If it's on, it's going to be a stove. And it's going to burn me. There are people who habitually 
There are people who seasonally, and there are people who situationally become toxic. And it is okay for you as a child of God to draw a boundary. But in the middle of the boundary, God says to forgive. And God says, in the middle of the boundary, God says to love. Well, can I tell you that sometimes one of the best things you can do for a toxic person is to draw a boundary around them and say, you must conform to something. It's okay. So, love. It is, not, it is not conditional. It is not minimizing. It is not resuming the relationship without changes. Because you say, well, how do I know? How do I know when I can lessen the boundary? How do I know when I can resume the relationship? They have to demonstrate genuine repentance, which means a change of lifestyle. They need to make restitution if necessary. They need to rebuild trust by proving that they've changed over time. Forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. I think I said this earlier. Forgiveness is not forgetness. Have you ever tried to forget something? Even the action of trying to forget prompts you to remember? I mean, it does, right? I will not remember this anymore. If you're me, as soon as you don't try to forget something, you forget it. I'll give you an example. We were going to have vegetable soup this week. And I was going to make it. And this is, Gail said, this is what you need to do to make it. And she said, you need a can of diced tomatoes. And you need an itty bitty can of tomato sauce. I said, tomato paste? She said, no, tomato sauce. I said, in a minute, hey, I'm going to the grocery store and I'm going to get that can of tomatoes and I'm going to get that tomato paste. She said, no, tomato sauce. I went to the grocery store, loving God and loving people. Walked out of there with the smallest can of tomato paste they had, dumped it in that tomato soup, and she came home. She said, that's some tomato-y soup. I said, yeah, I, I put only a half a can of tomato paste. And she said, I told you to put tomato sauce. But hear me. Trying to forget is impossible. Forgetting is an action that God grants you over time. He, yep, he gives it to you. All right, so we know what it's not. We kind of get an understanding of that. We understand what we have a definition of it. Well, what are the types of forgiveness? Because I think they are all interconnected. First of all, we see God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness is brought to us out of, an example of it at least, is brought to us out of the parable in Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son, which we've already looked at. And you know kind of the gist of the story is that there's a son. He wants his inheritance. So he goes to daddy and he says, give it to me. Daddy says, I'll give it to you. We understand that culturally by him giving that inheritance to his son, that his son was saying, you are dead to me. I am not your son. I'm going to go live my life as if you never existed. We know that he went away. We know he began to live. We know he began to squander his money. We know he hit the bottom. And when he hit the bottom, he said, you know what? I think I'm going to go home and work for daddy. I may not be a son, but I'll work for daddy. 
when he gets, begins to walk back to his father, his father sees him from a long way off, and he begins to run to his son, and he says, hey, do this, and hey, do that, and hey, let's throw a party, because that son that was dead is now made alive. So God teaches us and helps us to understand something of his forgiveness, because you cannot go so far that God cannot reach out and forgive you of your sin. God is anticipating. God is waiting. God is hoping. God is ready for you at this moment to come back to Him and say, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. When the prodigal son began to do this, there's some things that, just to give you your outline, let's fill in some blanks right quick. The prodigal son asked for his share of the inheritance from his father. That was the you are dead to me. The son took his inheritance and left. That is, I'm going on my own. You don't have any voice in my life. The son spent his inheritance in a relatively short time. After the money was gone and a famine hit, the Jewish son took a job feeding swine. Why did Jesus betray the young man in such an extreme manner? He was trying to communicate a key truth to us. God's love and forgiveness. The son's wrong was done in such a way there was nothing left. But God in his love, while we were still sinners, Christ died. No matter where you are today, and I'm going to say this again, and I hope I say it again, and remember to say it again. No matter where you are today, God's love reaches out to you. No matter what's been done to you today, God's love reaches out to you. No matter what has happened or where you are or the point that you think you've been, God's love is there. You need to hear that because Satan will scream, He can't love me. He can't love me. Yes, He can. And yes, He does. If we are going to show love to others, genuine love to others, we must realize that we have been the recipient of overwhelming love and forgiveness. You see, when I remember that I have been loved, when I remember how much I've been forgiven, then it becomes easier for me to say, I forgive you. I release you from that debt. (laughs) And there will be times that you will say, God, I'm doing this, not because I've feel like it but because i know it is right god you honor obedience to obey is better than sacrifice god i'm doing it because it's right and today i forgive today i release today i take the debt and i give it to you and god i can do this because of what you have done for me So there's the forgiving, God's forgiveness. God forgives you. God has cleansed you. God has restored you. If you had it on the screen, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. So we don't only need to understand God's forgiveness. We need to understand forgiving others. Take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 18. Verses 23, and we'll read a second in Matthew 18. But we'll start in verse... We'll start in verse 21 to get it, and Jesus starts talking around 23. But in 21 it says, Then Peter came to him and said, 
Lord, how often shall I Shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? In other words, God, how many times do I have to forgive this person that keeps offending? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him in verse 22, I did not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now there again, the forgiveness that is not talking about the reconciliation. Do you hear me? The reconciliation requires an action of repentance on the other person's part. If you are in a toxic, abusive relationship that could cause harm to you or to your family or to your someone, it is okay for you to draw a boundary. You can still be right with God and man and draw a boundary in your life. You need to hear that. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain man who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and the payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you all. And, when he, would, and he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told the master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. What are four steps in the process of forgiving other people? The first thing that we need to remember is that we are forgiven. Colossians 3.13, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. We need to remember we are forgiven. We need to release the person from the debt. We need to view those who have, we have forgiven as instruments of growth. You say, wait a minute. This horrible thing that happened in my life that God could actually be wanting to use that to cause me to be transformed into His image or conformed into His image. You mean God can use that? Yes, He can. The Scripture tells us that over and over. God calls us all things to work together for the good of those who love those and are called according to His purpose. In Genesis 15, 19 to 21, when Joseph is in the middle of his life and all that's happened to him, and they're sitting there having kind of a wrap-up conversation, he looks at him and says to them, what you, what Satan intended for evil, you intended for good. All those things, the imprisonment, all of those things that happened to Joseph, happened and, God, and Joseph realized God wanted to use those in my life. Does that take time? Yes. Could that take counseling? Absolutely. Could that take a work and a consistency with God and for the Holy Spirit to work in you? I absolutely believe it can. But God says, I will use them in your life. Someone told me a story this week. They were, they were doing some work around their house. 
and in the work around their house, they had an opportunity to interact with someone. And they had a conversation. And that conversation led to talking about love and marriage and horse and carriage and all of those kind of things in life. And they were able to take their life experience and say, let me tell you something that God did. And why it's important for you to do this. You see, when you take your life and you hand it to God, you lay it on the altar, you, you lift up your... Um, Lay down your Isaac and say, here he is. God says, I can use that. I will use that. I may only use it in your life in this season, but there will come a time that I would like to use it for you to help somebody else. So we need to know we're forgiven. We need to release the person from the debt. We need to view those we have forgiven as instruments for growth in our life. And we need to respond to evil with good. You say, help me understand that. Luke, 20, Luke 6, 27 and 28. Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. Man, we need a good dose of that in our nation right now. We really do. The church needs to stand up and say, we are not approving of wrong. We are not um, minimizing offense. But we're going to do this, and we're going to offer prayer, and we're going to bless people, and we're going to love people. And that person doesn't think like I do. Okay, we may not agree, but I know the scriptural command is this. And so, here I go, Lord. Here I go. There's God's forgiveness. There's forgiving others. And there's forgiving ourselves. There's no doubt in my mind that guilt from past sin prevents many people from experiencing God's love. You need to understand that if the blood of Jesus was sufficient for holy God, for the forgiveness of sin, it needs to be sufficient for you for your forgiveness of yourself. It was the perfect sacrifice. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If we're in Christ, we're new. Old things have passed away. All things have made new. God says in John 3, 16 that he loved the world so much that he gave his son. You want revival in the church? You want revival in your life? You want revival in your community? Begin to practice biblical forgiveness. Forgiveness is not turning a blind eye to injustice. Forgiveness is not admitting or minimizing or forgetting something that was painful. But forgiveness is an action that we take to other people. Um, and that's where we are today. So I want to ask you this morning. Do you need to experience God's forgiveness? The scripture says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Scripture says that for forgiveness to be complete, there needs to be repentance. Scripture says that for 
that forgiveness to be appropriated, we need to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For some of us, it's call on Him for salvation. God, I have to repent not of my sins, but I have to repent of sin, the sin of rejecting you. And today, I ask you to be my Savior. Today, I ask you to forgive me of the original sin that separates me from you. I ask you to forgive me of the sins that I have committed that have been an affront to you and an offense to other people. God, forgive me. Lord, today, I need you to give, grant me the gift of forgiveness. Because, Lord, there are people in my life that have hurt me. There are people in my life that have... um, offended me there are people in my life that have done wrong and God today I do not want to be controlled by that anymore God today I forgive them not because they deserve it but because you commanded it not because they deserve it and you commanded it but you promised you would empower me to do that and you said that is what love is and so Lord today I take the step I take the action of forgiveness And Lord, I'm going to do it every day. And straight up, there are people in this room that need to forgive. You need to forgive yourself. You say, I get that God's forgiven me. I get that I need to forgive the one that hurt me. But how could I ever release myself? From what I did. From the pain I caused. From the hurt that was there. Now remember. When we're asking for forgiveness. We need to first acknowledge we've sinned. We need to repent. Which means to agree with God. That what we did was wrong. And then we need to ask God. Are there steps that I need to take for reconciliation? Is there a debt I need to repay? Is there a hurt that I need to repair? Is there a connection that I need to restore? Now here is a problem. The offender usually walks into the room, says, God, forgive me. So I've got God's forgiveness. And habitual offenders can say, whew, I forgive myself because I'm a new creature. We kind of misapply 2 Corinthians 5.17. We walk in the room and we look at the person and we say, and I'm so sorry I did that. I want you to forgive me. And if they don't immediately, like jump up and down and hug us and say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. They do that. We're like, whew, it's over. It's done. I can go on living. But let me tell you something. When you are the offender, there, are, there is hurt that you cause that takes time. And if you are a, are a habitual offender, that person would be a fool to jump up and down and say hallelujah. You would not be doing them a favor. I want us to learn how to forgive. I want us to learn how to ask for forgiveness. I want us to demonstrate the fruit of repentance. 
based on the teaching of God. He can do that. But it starts at the cross. It starts with salvation. It starts with personal revival. So, poop. Draw it together. Do you need God's forgiveness? Is there something you're holding, you're harboring, you're hiding, and you need God to forgive you? Do you need forgiveness from someone else today? Do you need to forgive somebody? Do you need to forgive yourself? God speaks. God speaks.